0: if you want to understand suffering, and you want to, un- you want to go beyond suffering, here is a path for you. And I think the only thing you, you should uh, uh, believe is that there is strong relation between actions and results. So I think the only thing you need to, you need to really believe that your actions have results, and you will inherit those results. You are the heir, heir of those results. And this is the only thing you need to understand to practice. Uh, that's why I see it as a as a way of living and as a path uh, rather than a religion.
1: Jonathan Dominitz began practicing insight meditation in 1997 and has been teaching the Dharma since 2002 mainly with Tovana, the largest Buddhist community in Israel. In 2015, inspired by more than 10 years of service as a hospice volunteer, Jonathan co-founded Meditation One-to-One to help cancer patients find and foster inner strength during periods of crisis and uncertainty. He is also the founder of Mindscapes, where he trains and teaches creative thinking to companies worldwide. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice, as well as your life off of the cushion. I'm your host, Ian Whitemar. This podcast is sponsored by the Quantum Online Sangha, a virtual Zen practice community of the International Quantum School of Zen. Members of the online sangha meditate together, study with teachers, and participate in workshops and courses to develop their practice. To find out more, visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free offer trial for a free month of membership. Jonathan, you and I began practicing uh, right around the same time. I think I started in 1998. You're in the Insight uh, tradition. And I'm just wondering how you came to discover Insight meditation or just meditation in general.
0: Well, okay. Um, I must say that the beginning was very uh, normal and non spiritual one. I was working uh, in an advertising agency. And I was uh, dealing with a lot of stress, and uh, on the one hand, that I didn't know how to handle, and on the other hand, the more I succeeded, the more I was succeeding with my career, Uh, I was more frustrated, and I I kind of lost uh, the meaning. Why do I do it? The more I succeed, the I was succeeding in terms of my career, in terms of the projects I was working on, promotions and so on, uh, the lesser content I was. And I realized that I missed something. Something is missing in my life and there is something deep in life that I don't understand. Still, it was not at all spiritual, but I, I felt that I need to, to find out what's, what is missing. And then I was starting to look around how to deal with stress. And uh, it was a kind of a search for meaning for life, but I was not aware at that time. I couldn't say that sentence that I'm looking for meaning, but I was looking for something. And then I heard about a meditation retreat that was going on once a year in Israel, and uh, uh, I joined it. Uh, And uh, that week, one week, uh, meditation, insight meditation retreat. Uh, made a big shift in my life, uh, and after that week, I knew that I find something, uh, found something really meaningful, and I wanted to leave everything and to become uh, a monk, or even, uh, or just go to really, just to go to, really, you know, to, go to <laughs> wow. Asia to practice. But my wife, who went with me to the same retreat, who actually brought me to that retreat, uh, was pregnant in her seventh month. So we were about to become a father, mother, and father. So I didn't have the courage of the Buddha to leave his wife. And, and uh, yeah, I, yeah. I realized that uh, this is something really uh, meaningful. And since then, I practice and uh, changed my whole life. So this is the beginning.
1: Now, were you secular? Yes,
0: yes, yes very secular. I grew up on a kibbutz in Israel, north northern of Israel on the Lebanese Mm -hmm. border. uh, Very secular, atheist, uh, uh, rational, uh, logical, intellectual, everything was in the mind and in the intellect. And that practice uh, began to to shift uh, and to have inner transformation, which I think I'm in it till this very day. I'm still in that transformation process. But I, I found a, a completely new approach to, to look at my life uh, to look at uh, stress, to look at uh, fear and to look at thoughts, to look at myself and the world. And, uh, and uh, that was the beginning of the journey. And it's so interesting that
1: here you are, um, very secular, and then you go on this retreat and it sort of swings you all the way to, you know, I, I want to go to Asia and become a monk." What, what was awakened in that retreat that really brought you
0: all the way to sort of the point of Yeah uh, I And asked... I say it was not that the, the, the wish was not to become a monk. The teachers, the teacher the teachers okay. uh, in that retreat were not monks was Christopher Titmus, uh, uh, it was Charles Genoux, and uh, Stephen Fulder. That was the three teachers in that retreat, which three of them became my main teachers um, for a long while. Uh, but I discovered that there is a way to uh, go beyond the thinking mind to to look different at fear. Uh, the first retreat that, that week, most of it was a nightmare. It was so painful. Uh, uh, worries <laughs> that I had before uh, increased to almost a paranoia. I was so full of fears. What do I do with my life? How do I get out? My life was so messy and on the on the apparent on the outside level everything was great I was going to become a father. I lived with a woman that I really loved to this very day And uh, I had a good career, but I was unhappy. I couldn't ignore the fact that uh, uh, external uh, Advancement career uh, was not enough for happiness and in that uh, week I had some glimpses, really glimpses, of another layer or another dimension of life, which is not all about which is not all about what I was pursuing to that day, which touched me very deeply. I I couldn't speak a lot it a lot about it in words, but I could not ignore it. It was there, and the the, the few insights that I had about how to deal with pain. How how to look at thoughts in a non-personal way, which is the another practice. Those insights were so wow, and and the, the immediate relief that I felt uh, through adopting a new ways of look, new way of looking at thoughts, at pain, at sensation were so radical that I I I felt well, if there is Somewhere where I can find uh, a deeper peace and deeper meaning—that must be it. It was an inner certitude that uh, I find something. I found something really valuable that I still couldn't name, but I knew it must be it.
1: Mm-hmm. And why do you think that you stayed with it? And I I just ask that in the sense of, you know, I've worked with people who they've gone on retreat, they've had powerful experiences, they catch these glimpses of a sense of freedom or a sense of liberation, but they're not able to to stay with the practice. And so what is it, you, you know, in your case that kept you going kept you focused
0: yeah yeah well it's hard to say uh, I, because i was struggling with my practice uh, the practice as we all know is not easy to sustain on a daily basis uh, and so there was mm-hmm. a lot of struggle of of wanting and keeping and, and uh, persevering uh, on the other hand with some i have a i would say relatively speaking a strong inner Discipline. Uh, if there is something that I want, I can, I can mm-hmm. align myself and put my energy. Uh, so I'm a long distance runner, you could say. On one, but still, it was not easy. I, I my, my uh, approach to the practice uh, uh, changed a lot during the years. And in the beginning, it was a struggle with a lot of effort, with too much, too much effort and too much power, will and not enough flexibility, mental and and other but uh, i think uh i think what put me on uh, on what what kept me on the track on on the path was on the one hand uh, this intuitive uh intuition that this is a a valuable path and i never found something more can you say in english treasureful uh yeah, uh hmm. on the one hand and on the other hand dukkha uh, i was uh, still experienced quite a lot of dukkha and i there was a, a yeah. confidence i would say confidence uh that uh, this is a path to uh, dissolve dukkha so both the, the bright side, the, the glimpses of, right. of insights, uh, liberating insight that I experience, and the dukkha, and the strong uh, will of power to, to, to explore the path. Yeah.
1: And so you stayed with insight meditation. And was it real? Did you stay with Pobana uh, the whole time?
0: Uh, or? It, it, mm, yes, and no. I stayed in insight practice. And I shifted after a year Mm -hmm. and a half to a more uh, Thai, Mahasi-style practice, which is tovana practice in general Mm -hmm. is is more soft and open. And I found a teacher, a monk, who was practicing uh, in Thailand in a more Mahasi style, which is much more intensive. And, and one of the toughest uh, among the Mahasi uh, uh, tradition schools. And I was practicing six years uh, in both both practices here and then. Uh, I mean, one time this, one time depending on, on my ability and, and the options that I had. But after six years of this intensive practice at home, mostly at home, I practiced at home, uh, I realized that uh, it, it doesn't do good for me. Uh, it is. It, it takes out the the ambitious and the competitive and the goal-oriented aspects of my personality and it it brought me to some kind of a dead end. I realized that it doesn't work uh, and I left it, I abandoned it and then I went to the more soft part, which is Tovana and some teachers within the Tovana uh, inside uh, tradition, and I'm still there till this very day. Yeah.
1: I love that line the or the idea of recognizing that it brought out some of the competitive parts, and and you sort of see that in some of the harder traditions, and you know even people making comments about you know who sits hard and and who doesn't sit hard. Was there a moment where you mm. really saw that? Or was this a sort of a gradual awakening of, oh, right, mm-hmm. this is something that um, I'm adding no, to No, it, it
0: was gradual. Uh, it, mm-hmm. was, it was always trying, mm-hmm. okay, let's try again and let's put some more energy. Let's put some more deten- the, uh, determination on the one hand and then try to combine it. I knew if something felt it doesn't work, so can I bring softness in, in it? And it was a struggle. It was a six-year struggle, and I was still a beginner. I think, for me, six years, looking now, after 20-something years back, yeah. so it's really beginner, but how yeah. do you know? I mean, practice is something that you don't see. It happens, and you can only reflect on it, but you don't see it when it happens. Uh, the mind, how the mind works, how the energies work, it's so subtle. But then uh, it was one one uh, uh, failure attempt to to get it right, attempt to, and more and more frustration built. Uh, and at a certain moment, I realized that at a certain moment, I realized that it's not the path. It's not for me. That this way of practicing uh, is not fruitful for me, and I should find a different way and then and then I left it and it was a struggle because I loved the teacher so much I trusted him so much I love him and I trust him until this very day but I just realized it's not for me it's not the yeah. past for me it doesn't it doesn't bring out the, the the necessary balance of quality which is needed
1: it's so wonderful when you connect with a teacher like something changes i think obviously you have to walk your own path but Having a teacher that you trust, I just feel so helped along, uh, even though I know that I'm the one that has to do the work. And it's hard to to separate from a True. teacher. Or it's, well, True. it's hard to find a teacher that you really love and trust. And then to say, oh, I need to step in a different direction. Yeah, That yeah, must have been it really was,
0: and I think it, it, it even made things harder because, the trust, the, the qualities that this teacher represented, were really inspirational for me. It was impeccable. Uh, his mm-hmm. his meta, his love, his commitment, his sila, his his uh, humanity, and I really um, it, it was. I never met such a person on a personal level. I read about very inspirational. So this was confusing because uh, the uh, the person was amazing, but the practice was not working. So uh, how how long can you squeeze yourself and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and, until you realize that uh, maybe it's a great path, but it's not my path. It, it doesn't do good for me. That that was, I think, what the confusing pa- confusing part in it.
1: So when you shifted back to Tovana. As sort of your main sangha or your main community, did did you shift back and find that it was the community and the um, practice style and the teaching style that really supported you, or did was there another teacher there that really mm-hmm. filled that other uh, role?
0: No, in in in. It's the, I was always part of the Tovana community and I was uh, from the day one, mm-hmm. I never left Tovana and I was practicing in Tovana and I was starting to, to be an assistant, assistant teacher in Tovana and relatively quick become a, a teacher. I, I started to assist in retreat after five years of practice, which is I think uh, was much too early, but uh, I was asked by my teachers. To assist them, and uh, sorry, of course, I, I said I'm willing. Uh, 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 yeah, I didn't yes. know why, and <laughs> I, I felt that I still don't know anything. And, and what should I teach? And uh, this is what I told them. They said, "Just teach what worked for you." It was so, uh, it was so uh, uh, calming. It was so reassuring. They, they told me. Just mm. rely on what works for you. The way the practice works for you, this is what you can teach. Don't you don't need a, to be a speaker of the Buddha. You don't need to be a teacher. Just share what works for you. So this, and, and I kept this advice till this very day. I, I, I teach what works for me, and I think it's amazing. You don't need to to be a translator of the Buddha and representative of the Buddha. Although some people perceive you as Sometimes as such, but you just you just right. share what works for you. Which you share your understanding. You share uh, your your path uh, and and the perspective and the insights. That.
1: Now, somewhere along the way, I guess shortly after you, a few years after you started teaching, you also started getting involved with hospice. Right. Why did mm. Why did that happen? Uh,
0: for you? I still don't know till this very day. The, the the full picture, but I remember uh, two things. Uh, first, I read the Tibetan book of living and dying, and it had a, a strong, immense impact on me. I felt, you know, it's a it's a Tibetan, uh, Tibetan of Sogyal Rinpoche, and uh, I felt like coming back home, reading the book. And there was this intuitive uh um understanding I always knew it. How come I forgot mm. and 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 like mm. it was like coming back home. this is my language, this is the way it is it makes so much your the heart feel at home reading this, although the mind doesn't understand many things and still doesn't understand. And so I felt a strong um, um, attraction to to, to be uh, with people suffering and and dying because because it felt like a very transformative uh, place. I'll maybe explain more. And on the other hand, my mother died from cancer 20 years earlier. For uh, yeah, fifteen years before that, very painful uh, death, and we were at that time, I had no language and no ability to really speak to her uh, about her death coming and and I felt that this uh, oh, I'll say it another way she died, we loved her, she loved us was we had great relationship. But we never spoke about death. This was uh, unmentionable. She, we didn't, we meaning uh, her three sons uh, and daughters, uh, and we didn't want to tell her uh, that we see she's dying. Because for us, if we tell her that we know she's dying, it's like we gave up on her. And she, on the other hand, mm. did the same thing. She knew she was dying that she didn't want to tell us that she's about to die because she didn't want to upset us. Like she, she gave up struggling and she was struggling a year and a half longer than anybody could predict. Uh, really till the last breath she was struggling. So we were in this huge uh, uh, pretending. We were both pretending as if everything is going well. well we knew that, uh, and actually I never said Goodbye to my mother. I never, I never separated from her, uh, and this, this felt, uh, this was a, some kind of an emotional scar. Although there was, it was clear, for I was, was clear for me that I love her and she loves me. There was no doubt about the love, but we didn't speak about death. And in a way, I think that working with or volunteering or being with dying people in a way to to compensate or to share with other my mistakes and making sure that they wouldn't do the same. I I think it's part of the picture because uh, now meditation felt uh, from, as I told you from the first day, uh, first retreat, such a big gift. And I I feel so um, uh, lucky and, 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 and privileged to to have the be able to practice the dharma and apply the dharma and see the fruits of the dharma so how could you keep it for yourself and who needs it more than people who are in such a huge suffering so this uh, this attraction uh, kind of a inner call to work with uh, sick people with dying people like my mother it felt like the the most uh, um, uh, obvious thing that I can offer to somebody is to share with them and hopefully alleviate their suffering and give them a different approach to to their life and to their struggle and, and through, through meditation, through dharma.
1: Mm. And so about a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago, you started meditation one-to-one where you help cancer patients, you and other people help cancer patients by teaching them meditation. the Dharma, or do you? Yes, is it more secular, and you teach yeah. them meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you're you're blending this. You know, hopefully not all of them die, but are just dealing with a lot of anxiety and crisis. Um, but I'm sure I'm sure some of them do die, and so you're helping them with the transition. Can you tell us a little bit about meditation one-to-one and where that came from?
0: Well, it came from, the idea came from uh, one of the Sangha members, uh, uh, our Sangha members, uh, a woman called Yael, uh, and she she became a cancer patient. She she got cancer. And... uh, she she actually came to Tovana because she was looking for a way to alleviate her, her pain and, and suffering. And she started to practice and the practice uh, made such an amazing impact. The practice and the Dharma, I think it's a package you cannot separate, really. And uh, right. she started to, after three years of, of practicing and and, and and fighting or dealing with cancer, she started to teach. She opened a group, and just an open group, and, and for cancer patients. And she was such a magnet to so many people. And after a year, we we invited her to teach with us after very few years of experience. And uh, a year later, she died. And we we sat and we thought, how can we continue what she uh, was doing because she was really. She attracted so many cancer patients with her clear voice that uh, you can live without fear, even in front of death. And, and uh, one of her ideas was to, until then, we were offering, and we still do, classes, uh, retreats, evenings for people who come to us, to our center, to our retreat center. Uh, uh, but what about those who suffer from cancer and cannot come to us, who are at home, at hospital? And her idea was to go to them. And when we he- heard this idea from her husband, uh, we thought, uh, yes, let's do it. And this is a project we we. We go to experienced meditation practitioners, go to that we choose, we carefully choose and and, uh, and support, go uh, to visit cancer patients at their home or at hospital once a week for at least an hour, and sit with them, either teach them, most of the time, uh, they teach them to meditate from, from step one, and support them through meditation, through practice, and through Dharma. Now. We call it meditation because the the I would say our visit car is meditation, and people usually call us because their doctor or their kids or their parents heard about the 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 benefit of practicing meditation to to crisis situations, and those who are interested, uh, we talk about dharma, uh, but it's not it's not upfront. It's not Buddhism. It's not dharma. It's meditation, and some. Some stay with meditation and some are very open to what the dharma has uh, to say and and the dharma perspective of life and death. So it's really adapted to the person and we don't impose it in no way. We don't impose dharma. but We offer meditation support.
1: Like you said, you know, I feel the same as you. I feel like the dharma and the practice go together. But I also feel like there's so many people who would come to understand and um, really benefit from the Dharma if, if we also offered uh, just meditation practice. And I see this happening here in the United States where it seems to be like mindfulness is going one path and then there's a sort of Buddhism going in the other path. And they're walking side by side, but sometimes people are very clear. They're like, oh, well, we're not, <laughs> we're not in that group. And um, and I I can understand why, but it just feels to me like there's so much opportunity to uh, just start people along the path, helping them, and then say, you know, by the way, there's this other, there's a path of liberation mm-hmm. that goes along with it. Um, you have the technique, but then there's this other thing, which I don't know. As I'm saying it out loud, there's part of me that feels like, oh, that's kind yeah, of shady. Right. <laughs> Shady evangel, but and I don't want that. Well, I I think I I think
0: uh, it's a big question. It's a big uh, debate here amongst us, the 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 community, the 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 heavy meditation practitioners. (laughs) uh, What's the value of mindfulness? Uh, uh, And you know, it's such a big trend, and it's everywhere, and and. I think it's 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 a very skillful mean mindfulness, and it's it's a kind of a gate. Yeah, it's a gate. And, and for me, it works. For me, gate, it yeah. was the same. I came to meditation. I didn't know anything about Buddhism. I was not interested in Buddhism. I was interested very in a way to alleviate stress, to deal with my sorry with my stress, with the stress that was, and I went to to find a relief for stress, and I found. So much more, so much more. And uh, I think right. uh, I think this is what mindfulness is offering. And, and I think our task as meditation teachers, and many of us also teach mindfulness in, in some other formats, secular, academic, uh, workplace, and, and other, is not to dilute mindfulness into a practice which, which is a... Uh, separated from its essence and and wherever I teach I teach mindfulness or meditation but I know it's Dharma and I teach meditation and and people understand Dharma without saying uh, uh, Buddhism without saying uh, religion nothing and for me it's not a religion of course uh and so how to keep the essence and just giving a uh, uh, um Offering to people in a way that is digestible, uh, according to what they request, and, and this is this is the art to to uh, to offer somebody what he's asking, but at the same time to show the depths behind it, the the, the possibility of, of of inner transformation without. Uh, forcing somebody to do it. Hey, it's there. This is where it leads. This is where it comes from. This is the connection. If you want, it's there.
1: Now, why do you say that it's not a religion?
0: Oh, for Just me, it's not care, a religion. Right? I, I think, for me, very clear. What the Buddha taught was not another set of beliefs. He, he, he was offering a way to uh, to end suffering and he didn't require his his listeners his students to believe in anything except that according you know this is my understanding and, and it, it it reflects my own uh, uh views and and values and, and limited understanding he didn't require any to believe uh, but just to have uh, the the uh, the motivation to end suffering if you want to understand suffering and you want to un- you want to go beyond suffering here is a path for you and I think the only thing you you should uh, uh, believe is that there is strong relation between actions and results so I think the only thing you need to you need to really believe that your actions have results and you will Inherit those results, you are the heir, heir of those results, and this is the only thing you need to understand to practice. Uh, that's why I see it as a, as a way of living and as a path uh, rather than a religion.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found the conversation with Jonathan Dominitz encouraging and helpful for your practice. If you understand Hebrew, you can find out more by visiting tobana.org.il. And I'll put a direct link to Jonathan's Dharma talks in the show notes. If you would like to support the work of Meditation One to One, please visit their website and make a donation. I've put a link to the donation page in the show notes as well. It's in Hebrew, but if you're using Chrome, you can right-click and choose the translate to English option to see how to support them. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Quantum Online Sangha. Listeners of this podcast are eligible for a free month of training, which includes live Q&A interviews with Zen teachers, discounts on webinars and online classes, and access to a private community where students can discuss their practice and receive guidance. To access your free month of training, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. And please consider subscribing and leaving a review of this podcast. It helps introduce us to new listeners. I am your host, Ian Whitemar, and I hope you'll join me again next week.